Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and on today's very special Georgia Fighters edition of Half the Battle, I'm interviewing two guys that I know for a fact are going to make it to the UFC. I'm talking about the number one lightweight in Georgia, Chaz Walton. This is a guy that fought in front of Dana White on Dana White's Looking for a Fight series that you can watch on UFC Fight Pass. He knocked out his opponent in seven seconds. We're going to talk to him all about that. And then later on on the show, I got 16-year-old phenom Jamar Whitehead. When I scout talent, I know I got to bring them right here, right now on Half the Battle. Hope you guys enjoy. And Daniel's a funny dude. You know, but when it came down to it, my knuckle game's proper. You know, in my eyes, I'm not f***ing around. You know, I'm going to go out all out for what I believe in. But I'd rather laugh at you than shoot you. I'd rather make a, mon a movie. I'd rather talk to you disrespectfully than have to punch you in your mouth for disrespecting me. That's what I was taught. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special Georgia Fighters edition of Half the Battle is the number one lightweight prospect in Georgia, Chaz Walton. Chaz, welcome to the show, man. What's up, man? Good to be on. Finally, yeah. right? I know, right? It's good to finally have you on the show, and you know, I'm very excited to talk to you because I know for a fact that one day you will be in the UFC, and you know, when I notice talent... You know, I, I know that I got to have guys like you on my show. So thank you very much for your time, Chaz. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate being on, man. And thanks for the compliments. Of course, man. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about. But first of all, Dana White had a show called Dana White's Looking for a Fight. He came to our gym, Knuckle Up. You met him during the day. Then that night, you had to fight in front of the president of the UFC. Now, before we talk about the result of that fight... I want to know, what kind of pressure did you feel knowing that Dana White was going to be front row at your fight? Um, I mean, just the whole thing was exciting to me. Uh, there was definitely a little a little pressure and, and stuff like that, but uh, I was more excited than anything. Yeah, man, I can only imagine what it's like performing in front of the boss himself. And, you know, it's not like you went out there and, uh, you know, grinded out a, a boring decision. You made your stamp. For the president because you went out there and knocked the guy out in seven seconds so i gotta know right here right now on half the battle what did dana white say to you after that fight um i walked up to him after the fight and uh he just he pretty much said you know get a few more fights and uh we'll see you on tough so you know i don't know what that means i don't know whether that means i get a to bypass tryouts or i just have to do tryouts like everybody else and i might have a a highlighted name on a list somewhere but um, it's still, it's kind of like a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, you know, it keeps me motivated, so. Yeah, absolutely. You can never uh, rest on your laurels, but one thing you know is that he sees what you see and what other people see, so as long as you stay focused and stay on the right track, you will be in the UFC, my friend. I appreciate that. That's the plan. Yeah, man. So, okay. So, I've seen a bunch of your fights. You know, you've knocked guys out in seven seconds. You've won via submission. And there was one specific fight where you were getting your butt kicked for the entire fight. And then you submitted the guy with an arm bar at, in the very last round. Now, you went on to propose to your now wife. But I got to ask you real quick. Before that fight, were you like more, uh, were you more worried about the fight itself or were you more worried about the proposal? <laughs> Um, yeah, well, yeah, that definitely was, that's the toughest fight in my, my career, by the way, so far, even though it was, uh, amateur, but, but yeah, there was a lot more pressure for the proposal than there was 
for the fight, I think. Uh, I kind of, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I had to win. You can't propose after you lose. I mean, who does that? So I felt like I had to win, and I kind of let it cloud my judgment uh, going into the fight, you know, and uh, I think uh, mentally I, I was under the most pressure I've ever been in in any fight, you know, with or without Dana White there, to be honest. You know, that was more fun. The proposal was more stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine, Chaz. I mean, backstage where you, you know, obviously you got to warm up, you got to be focused on your fight, but in the back of your head, were you were you like, dude, I have to win this fight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't know, I think I, I got really pumped right before. my I had an adrenaline dump, you know, before I even got to the cage because of, you know, just everything going on. and It was, a, it was an eye-opener for sure. Yeah, now talk about the first two rounds because they clearly didn't go your way. What was going through your mind when you were down 2 nothing? Um, I remember I, I got pretty frustrated in the first round because I had been controlled the whole round. I, I think that was... That was kind of going in my head going into the second. And then, you know, the same thing happened in the second. I kind of got controlled and uh, I started getting frustrated. And I just, I mean, I really wasn't thinking much. I, I was more just reacting, trying to, trying to find uh, a hole in his game. And, uh, you know, I had gone for the arm bar a few times. He had given it to me. Uh, so in the third round, I just went for it. You know, my coach yelled, you got, you got 20 seconds, 20 seconds. You've got to finish your losing. And, I threw the arm bar up and, and actually finished it after about the third or fourth attempt. So, you know, I guess it went it went well, but it could have went better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better to get those, you know, learning experiences out of the way early because as you progress your career, you know, the challenges are only going to get tougher. So the fact that you had to show your heart early on in your career, that goes a very long way in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to have those, those tests, uh, in my, in my fight career as a pro now that I'm, you know, I'm three and O and, you know, competition is just going to get tougher from here. So I know I'm having, I'm going to have one of those, uh, grinder fights, you know, that's pretty much how I envision every fight before I go into it. Is it, is it being that fight against Alan Docky, you know, worst yeah. case scenario. And one more thing about that fight. So after you submit him with that arm bar, what's going through your mind, Chaz? um adrenaline about 100 percent, just right through the brain uh i don't know i i submitted him and i i freaked out i pretty much went went super saiyan for the most part I was running around the ring screaming but i uh i just i think the first thought that came to mind was wow like i really had i think i had actually accepted loss and uh you know i didn't give up going for the submissions but i think at, at some point i was like i'm gonna lose this fight and uh so overcoming that was was pretty crazy. It was a good feeling. Yeah, and then obviously you go on to propose to your now wife, which must have been an incredible moment. And, you know, I've seen a couple of your fights live, and after that fight where you submitted the guy, you know, in one of your fights, you actually did something that I've never seen you do. And you, for all three rounds, you grinded a guy out. You decided, hey, I'm going to just wrestle this guy. And I know Chaz Walton as a knockout artist, as a submission artist, and you actually showed that you can wrestle too. So was that like kind of a, you know, a chip on your shoulder? Was that a statement you wanted to make that Chaz Walton can wrestle too? Um... Yeah, and uh, specifically, go yeah, going into the Nick Beal fight when I fought for the 155 title, um, that was the first fight that I ever really 
really had focused on my wrestling, uh, and that was right after I fought Alan Dockey, and then I dropped from 170 to 155, and uh, and that's pretty much when my wrestling kicked in, but I did feel the need to display that, you know, I can dominate anywhere, you know, whether it's the ground, or just on the cage, or standing up, in the clinch, it doesn't matter, you know, anywhere the fight goes, I have an answer. Absolutely. And speaking of which, you know, you've knocked guys out in seven seconds. You've gotten third round arm bars. You've grinded out decisions. What does Chaz Walton like to do the best? Um, I got to say, uh, you know, the most, the best feeling I think honestly is, is, uh, submitting someone because when you submit someone, they are literally quitting. You're making them quit. If you knock someone out, it's not very voluntary. They're not like, oh, you know, I think I'll stay conscious. No, it's lights out, it's over. So I think that, uh, you know, just like who's the tougher man when it comes to that and tapping somebody out, that's, that feels good. But uh, I, I love the knockouts, and, I, you know, I know that those, those are what sell tickets. So that's what I try to go for as well. Well, both electrify the crowd, but you said you like submitting people more. So I got to ask you this. Your last two fights, obviously you knocked the guy out in seven seconds, and the very next one, you submit the guy in the first round. Which one gave you a, a better feeling? Um, well, that's hard because Dana White was at the other one. So it was Dana White was at the other one, and then the, the next one was my first uh, live television television fight. So that's that's a really hard one, but... Um, I'd say the seven seconds, just because I, you know, if the knockout had happened at, you know, the second or third round or, you know, even two minutes into the first, it wouldn't have been as, you know, as sweet of a feeling, but, you know, seven seconds, I, I'm going to have a hard time beating that. I'm very competitive. I got to beat myself. So <laughs> yeah, well, you actually tied the UFC record for fastest knockout because Korean zombie and Dwayne Bang Ludwig, they both have seven 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 second knockouts but actually on the regional scene conor mcgregor has a four second knockout so Chaz, you got a goal to strive for my man yeah you know i gotta i gotta beat beat conor's record so i don't know what i'm, I'm gonna have to like shoot a fireball right at the bell or something <laughs> i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna beat that but you know it, it's gonna happen and speaking of shooting fireballs, you know, you had an interesting dynamic with one of your past opponents. I believe he was talking a little bit of trash. And, you know, you're a very calm, cool, and collected guy. It didn't get to your head. In fact, at the weigh-ins, you go there and you gave the guy a nice little gift basket. I thought that was very nice of you. Why don't you just tell the fans right here, right now, in Half the Battle, the scoop behind that story? Um, well, I'm, I've always been, you know, I, I try to be nice to people regardless. But, uh, you know, specifically if someone doesn't like me or, or likes to talk bad about me, I like to kill him in kindness. Whether it's in the cage, outside of the cage, I find that the most effective for me. So, you know, I was like, you know, this guy really doesn't like me. Like, he wants to hurt me, so I'll get him a gift back. You know, I'll go the far opposite end of the spectrum because uh, I think most guys that talk, you know, they do it, A, because they have to hype themselves up for a fight because they have to get emotional and kind of like, you know, the DS brothers like to get emotional in their fights. And some people fight well that way, but I have to have complete void of emotion uh, when it comes to fighting. And so I try to, you know, just neutralize the situation as much as possible. Yeah, and you did it very effectively. Now, I got to know, who are some of your favorite fighters, you know, past and present that, you know, helped you adapt your style into what it's become today and what it's going to become in years to come? Um, 
I'd say definitely. Well, I've always been a big Anthony Johnson fan, the way that uh, he, he comes forward and is explosive, and he lets you know that his punches are going to hurt right away. Um, I've always been a fan of that guy. Uh, surprise, it might be surprising, but Chris Lieben's always been a favorite because he's got that come forward, you know, you're, you can hit me, but I'm going to hit you harder attitude. And um, who else? If we're talking before Conor McGregor, um, I'd say Anthony Pettis, probably. You know, how he uses his athleticism, his kicks, and even his, you know, his triangle game on the ground. His jiu-jitsu from the bottom is really good, too. So those, those would be my favorites and the ones that inspire me, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you brought up Chris Lieben. You know, he's uh, one of my favorite throwback fighters of all time because, you know, you can beat this guy up for three rounds, and if he lands that one left hand... You're going out, man. And then obviously with, yeah. with guys like Showtime Pettis, they are that next generation type fighter. So, you know, with your style of fighting, you know, they call you the hybrid. Uh, you know, obviously you're good in all areas, but is there one specific area that you'd like to improve on more than others? Um, uh, that's, see, that's, the, that's what's so crazy about mixed martial arts is that there's so many facets. How do you, how do you focus on one? Um, for the most part, I consider myself a generalist because I try to train everything uh, all the time. But I think if I could add something to my game, um, it would be more more judo. I don't train my judo enough, and I think it's super effective in clinch range. And when you have people up against the cage, uh, for getting those, uh, you know, not traditional takedowns, not the double legs, the single legs. So I think judo... It may be a traditional martial art like a Tai Chi or something like that. I think I'd like to add to my game. Yeah, that would be really interesting to see. Now, I got to know, man, what are your goals? You know, when do you see yourself signing with the UFC? Um, you know, I, I definitely see myself signing with a big promotion this year. Uh, ideally, you know, it would be great to be in the UFC you know, b- before the end of this next year. But, uh, you know, I, I have faith it all happen when it's supposed to happen so i'm just going to keep taking fights and uh building my record and taking slow slow steps towards the tougher competition you know and because uh, I, I i do see a lot of guys come out you know and they want to want to fight the the best of the best right away and then they end up with a three and three record and little paychecks and no tv time and so i i'm trying to work on you know building my way up to the big guys and and you know trying to get a title this year I, i'd really like a title or two maybe 170 and 155 yeah so you know obviously you're taking you know the logical progressions but what i gotta know is every morning when you wake up out of bed you want to be the ufc world champion correct oh yeah that's that's the goal like i i wouldn't understand why why anyone else would do it if that wasn't your your goal that you wanted to achieve at the end of the of everything you know well that's good that you think that way you know and that's how champions are supposed to think you know journeymen may just do it you know for a paycheck here and there but your overall goal is to make it to the big show and we can't wait to see that happen my man oh yeah i appreciate it i'm excited too yeah so you know obviously you're undefeated the sky's the limit what's next for chas walton um well right now i have uh a fight against a uh, 170 title holder, Wesley Golden. And that is supposed to be, it's officially unofficially in April on our uh, the next legacy card. 
And, uh, you know, until then, I'll be doing grappling tournaments and just kind of keeping my competition mode fresh and, and tuned up until, so that's what's, that's what's coming up. Now, let me ask you this. How does it feel fighting at 170 pounds compared to 155? Because, I mean, there's some big boys up there at welterweight. Um, I think that I retain a lot of my power at 170. You know, I, I, I feel like I have that one punch knockout power. And then, you know, at 155, I'm a lot lighter. I'm faster. Uh, I feel like, you know, my cardio is probably a lot better at 155. But uh, I don't know. You know, I, I like fighting both weight classes. And, and obviously, at, uh, it has to be a fight that's smart if it's going to be at 170 because I want my career to be long and those guys can be big. But, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy both classes. I think both weight classes have different things to offer, different opponents to offer, and uh, it's good to be diverse, in my opinion. Yeah, and you said your knockout power actually translates real well at 170, but let's not act like you don't have power at 155 pounds, because I'm pretty damn sure you knocked a guy out in seven seconds in front of Dana White, and that was at lightweight, right? No, that, that was actually uh, 170. Oh, was, okay, yeah. interesting, wow, okay, so you, you guys heard it here first on half the battle, so... Uh, was your last fight at 155 when you choked the guy out? 155, yep. Okay, cool. Well, you look great there too, man. So, yeah, we cannot wait to see what happens next with Chaz Walton. Chaz, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Just go ahead, you know, thank anyone you want to thank, plug anything you want to plug. The floor is yours, my friend. Um, well, you know, first and foremost, I thank God for everything and uh, all the abilities and everything I've been blessed with and, uh, you know, family, friends, supporters, fans, teammates, coaches, you know, there. without those things, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here, period. So, you know, I'm thankful for that every day. For sure, man. And one more thing before I let you go. So obviously you're coming for that UFC lightweight title and word on the street is that Rafael Dos Anjos might be defending it against the featherweight champion, Conor McGregor. Who would you pick in that fight, Chaz? Um, I'm going to pick Dos Anjos. Uh, I think in the last two fights, he's looked really good. And uh, it's not just that, but I think he's, he's at his peak right now. And uh, if there's anyone that's going to beat Connor, it's going to be someone who can fight everywhere and can control you on the ground when they want to. And uh, he has the ability to do that. Now let me ask you this. What about Frankie Edgar versus Connor McGregor at 145 pounds? Um, I say Conor McGregor gets knocked out in the second round. Conor gets knocked out by Frankie? Yeah. Very bold prediction. That's what we like to hear on Half the Battle. Once again, Chaz, thank you so much for the time, man. And we can't wait to see what happens next in your career. All right. Thanks for having me again, and uh, have a good day. Yeah, man. We'll have you back on after your next fight. All right, bud? Sounds good, man. Take it easy, bro. All right. See you, Chaz. There you have it, folks. Chaz the Hybrid Walton. You can follow him on Twitter at the Hybrid 89 And make sure you do because, like I said, this guy will be in the UFC very soon. One of the most athletic and dynamic fighters I've ever come across in the Georgia scene. So definitely keep an eye out for Chaz Walton. Now next up, we got the 16-year-old phenom, Jamar Whitehead. Check it out. Joining me on this very special Georgia Fighters edition of Half the Battle is 16-year-old phenom Jamar Whitehead. Jamar, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Thank you. Yeah, man, it's, it's my pleasure, man. And, you know, it's funny. You are the youngest guy 
I've ever had on half the battle. But when I see potential, you know, I know that I want to interview fighters like yourself on my show because I know what you're capable of. So thanks again for your time, man. And I got to ask you real quick, you know, you're 16 years old, you're still in high school, but I'm pretty damn sure that not too many kids pick on you, huh? <laughs> nah, no one really likes to mess with me at school, so... That's a that's pretty good. It feels good. Yeah. Now let me ask you this: Before you started training martial arts, were you ever bullied? Uh, no, I never really had a problem with bullying. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah, you see that, guys? This kid's always been confident. You know what? In the case of other people, they got bullied, and then they started training martial arts as a result. You know, for example, George St. Pierre. He uh, he talked about how, you know, all the kids would pick on him, and then he just said, hey, man, this is the end. But for you, you know, you've always been a confident young man, and, you know, you're 16 years old. You just recently made your debut at center stage. You know, you're fighting alongside some of the best in Atlanta. So I just got to know, man, how did it feel making your debut inside the cage at such a young age? You know what? Everything, I felt every single emotion everybody told me I was going to feel. Uh, anxiety, the nerves just rushing through my body. But knowing that I've trained with the best in Georgia, in my opinion, the best in, South, in the Southeast, I knew that no matter what, I'd prevail in the fight, in, which I did. So, Absolutely. And it was a very impressive performance. You know, in my opinion... It was a TKO because you kicked this guy on the body and, you know, he looked for the door. He wanted a way out, but unfortunately it wasn't MMA. It was kickboxing. So he got, you know, the 10 count and, uh, you know, his coach was nice enough not to throw in the towel and they kept the fight going. So he just took a prolonged beating, which in my opinion, they should have stopped the fight because at your age, you know, obviously we all know, you know, the brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25 years old. So that kid could have taken more damage, but hey, that's uh, that's his coach's discretion. But as far as you're concerned, you do have a very unique style where you don't take too much damage. So just talk about, you know, some of your favorite fighters that you, you know, learn from to adapt into your own style. Well, first off, I want to start off by saying that I started off with Taekwondo at a young age. So although I didn't show it in my in my fight, my uh, my techniques are usually very uh, sneaky, I guess you could say, and flashy. Unfortunately, like I said, I didn't get to show that. But as far as my favorite fighters, I look up to fighters like Anthony Pettis, of course, Conor McGregor, John Jones, the fighters that aren't afraid to be creative in the cage, you know? And that's the kind of style I like to emulate a little bit, so... So, so are you, Jamar, are you trying to say that we can expect a Showtime kick from Jamar Whitehead next time he steps inside the cage? Guaranteed. Guaranteed 100%. <laughs> Yeah, and that's awesome, man, because, you know, your style, like you mentioned, you know, it's that new breed of style because back in the day, if guys only had, say, a karate style or a taekwondo style, they would get killed. But the fact that, you know, you do have good hands, you actually wrestled back in the day, correct? Yes, sir. I wrestled down when I lived in Florida. Yeah, and how long did you wrestle for, Jamar? Uh, my freshman year and my sophomore year, and then I moved up to Atlanta, so a little... Not too long, but for a little while. And, you know, it's interesting because that's going to go a really long way in your career because a lot of guys, even the guys you mentioned as some of your favorite fighters, say Conor McGregor or Anthony Showtime Pettis, none of them had wrestling backgrounds. So, you know, they have to go back now and pick up the pieces. Whereas with yourself, even though you can never be complacent, you can never say, oh, I wrestled a couple of years so I don't need to train my wrestling, you at least have that solid base so that you can 
you, you can strike freely in there and not really be worried about getting taken down, right, Jamar? Yes, sir. I'm confident in every single one of my abilities, no matter where it is, so, yes. <laughs> now, now, let me ask you this. Obviously, like you just mentioned, you're confident in all of your abilities. And all MMA fighters, they want to get better at every area of the game. But if there was one specific area that you could improve on, what would it be, Jamar? Um, I would say my, my uh, jiu-jitsu. I feel like my striking is honestly a lot better than a lot of the fighters, a lot of the 18 and older fighters that are in the southeast or in Georgia. My wrestling or my grappling period... That needs improvement a little bit. Not to say it's bad, but it could be a lot better. I want to get my wrestling on the on the uh, caliber of a, a national champ one day. My jujitsu, I want to have a black belt in jujitsu. My striking, you know, obviously I want that to be up to par too. So I got some work to do, but I'll be all right. Now let me ask you this, because you are 16 years old, you're in college, uh, in high school, excuse me, and I remember when I was 16 years old, you know, all the kids are partying, that's around the age when, you know, kids start doing drugs, and how do you make it so that you keep all that stuff away from you, and you stay focused on your training? You know what, Daniel, I'm going to be completely honest with you, when I used to live in Florida, I kind of fell into that stuff, the partying and all that, Um, I I realized that, you know... It wasn't going to get me anywhere in life, and especially with the, the career that I wanted to pursue, fighting, uh, that, would, that wouldn't help me at all. So um, now it's just I get to focus on my, on my career. So now that I have a good gym, training with the best, I can't ask for any more. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great mentality, Jamar, because, you know, all the partying and stuff, that's never going to go away. So, you know, and for example, you know, there's a difference between being a martial artist and being a prize fighter. A martial artist, that's a lifelong journey. You can start at five years old and you can continue until the day you die. But there's only so long that you can be a prize fighter, someone that gets paid to fight. Now, currently, obviously, you are amateur, so you're not getting paid yet. But the goal is to be in the UFC one day. I remember the first time I met you, you told me, I'm going to be the UFC bantamweight champion. So the pri- so the prize fighting window is very short. So my advice to you, obviously my advice would be to never party ever. <laughs> but right. but my advice to you is only party once your prize fighting career is over, you know? Right. And then you can continue on being a martial artist. Do you know what I'm saying, Jamar? Yes, sir. Makes a lot of sense. Now, talk to me a little bit about your Taekwondo background because, you know, when I met you and uh, we started training, you know, under Coach Brown, you, uh, you're obviously a very different kind of striker than the guys I'm used to. So, did you compete in Taekwondo growing up or what? Uh, yeah, I did a lot of tournaments in Taekwondo, um, Junior Olympics, National Championships, World Championships. Um, I've accomplished a lot in Taekwondo also, but eventually the competition wasn't where I wanted it to be. And that's when I came to this, came for the summer to live with my dad last summer. I think that's where I met you. And started doing Muay Thai, all that, training with uh, the big name fighters, the Bellator fighters at my gym, and just fell in love with a different sport, I guess you could say, so in Muay Thai and MMA. Yeah, so. no, 100%, it's absolutely a different sport, but when you talk about how you weren't satisfied with the competition, do you mean that you were uh, knocking guys out left and right, or what, Jamar? I wouldn't say knocking guys out. I wasn't knocking guys out. I would say more so 
outclassing, I guess, in Taekwondo. It's a different sport, like I said, so... Now, yeah. now, obviously, for martial artists, you know, if uh, if they get into street fights, you know, obviously they get kicked out of their gym because that's not what martial arts is all about. Martial arts is about respect and self-defense. But I know a lot of fighters that were involved in street fights growing up before they became fighters. Now, I got to know, Jamar, were you involved in any street fights before you became a stri- uh, fighter? Once again, when I lived in Florida, yes, yes, um, pretty often, I guess you could say. Not proud of it at all, but it is what it is, um, you know? Well, none of us are proud of it, but one thing we can all agree on is that there are learning experiences that, you know, you can gain lessons from. So I got to know right here, right now, on Half the Battle, tell us an exclusive Jamar Whitehead street fight story before you became a fighter. <laughs> um, I'd say one that I could, pretty memorable is uh, last year. Um, it was a fight at the, uh, the baseball field at my school, actually, in which my best friend had an altercation with someone else, and, uh, I tried to break it up, and his friend jumped in, so it was, uh, me and my best friend versus them two, and it, it got pretty bad for them, honestly, since my best friend's also a wrestler, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine that it got bad for them. Now, let me ask you, is your goal still to be the UFC bantamweight champion one day? Uh, honestly, I already know 100% of my mind I will be a UFC bantamweight champion or UFC champion, period. That's not going to be the problem. It's when. Um, I believe by the time I'm 21, I'll be in the UFC. By the time I'm 23, I'll be in the top five. And hoping 24, 25, I'll be UFC champ. And I'll hold that belt for a very long time. No one's going to be able to stop me once I have it. So, Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can see the potential already. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that it might not be bantamweight. And I'm actually glad you brought that up because, as we all know, as you get older, you start to put on a little more size. So who knows? Maybe by the time you're 21, you're going to be fighting at featherweight, right? You never know. Anything's possible. So it's a possibility, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously right now you are a bantamweight. And two bantamweights that are fighting for the undisputed UFC title next month are Dominic Cruz and TJ Dillashaw. This is TJ Dillashaw, the guy that defeated Hennon Burrell, who was on a 30-fight unbeaten streak. And he's taking on Dominic Cruz, who never officially lost his belt. So, in a sense, it's champion versus champion. I got to know right here, right now, in half the battle, who does Jamar Whitehead think is going to win that fight? Uh, it's a really tough one. Uh, it all depends on how it goes. I believe if Dominic Cruz can use his footwork and uh, keep uh, Dillashaw at bay, he could take it by decision. Now, if TJ could use some aggression on Dominic Cruz along with his footwork and his uh, bang Muay Thai, he could take it also. It, it's going to be a really good fight. I could tell you that, that much. So. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up Dominic Cruz's footwork because a lot of people have gone on record and said that TJ Dillashaw, in a way, almost ripped off Dominic Cruz's uh, footwork. But the way I see it is that he took the best elements of Dominic Cruz's style and he evolved it into his own style because now he's knocking guys out with head kicks. He's doing stuff that we never saw Dominic Cruz do. But, you know, on the flip side, 
You know, when guys come off three-year layoffs, you often assume they're not going to look the same, especially when they have the kind of injuries that Dominic Cruz suffered. But then he goes in there against Takeya Mizugaki, and he looks like a man possessed. He looks like a man that we've never seen before. So for me personally, I really don't know what the hell to expect, man. Are we going to see this new uh, Dominic Cruz 2.0, or are we going to see TJ Dillashaw do the things that he's been doing, you know, the past couple fights? It. Honestly, if TJ looks as impressive as he's looked recently, TJ could take it. But it all depends on how Dominic Cruz looks also. Because if he looked, like you said, how he looked against Takeo Mizugaki, he looked like a man that couldn't be beat by anyone. So I don't know. It's going to be a really good fight. That's all I know. And uh, just going to take a prediction. I got Dominic Cruz split decision. Dominic Cruz split decision. You heard it here first, folks. Now I gotta ask you, on that same card, another one of your favorite fighters, Anthony Showtime Pettis. He's coming off a very disappointing loss to the champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. Rafael did something that none of us expected him to do, which is not only did he beat Pettis, you know, a lot of us said, hey, if he beats Pettis, maybe he goes in there and lays on him and, you know, makes the crowd boo. Rafael Dos Anjos goes out there, he cuts off the ring, and not only does he beat Pettis on the ground, he beats him standing too. He took a Pettis head kick to the chin and walked right through it. And one doesn't simply eat a Pettis head kick to the chin and walk right through it. But luckily for Pettis, you know, he's getting a little bit of a tune-up fight. And I mean, it's a tune-up fight against the number four guy on planet Earth in Eddie Alvarez. But in my personal opinion, I do think Showtime's going to make a statement. What do you think about that fight, Jamar? Uh, second round TKO. I got my that Anthony Pettis is my favorite ha- fighter hands down. I know he's gonna come out and and dominate. Yeah. So, now, are you are you expecting a a nice little body kick and for Eddie to make a grimace followed yes. by followed by a head kick or do That's you, ex- go, go ahead, ahead. Go, go no go ahead Jamar. I see a body kick ending the fight, not not a head kick. So. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing for the fans watching who have never fought or sparred before with the body kicks is that. You know, obviously your brain doesn't go unconscious, but your body shuts down and you're like, (laughs) and uh, you basically can't breathe. You know exactly what's going on, but you can't do anything about it. But let me ask you this, Jamar. Do you think that if uh, Eddie, by chance, tries to take down Pettis, that he could find himself in a submission? Because Showtime Pettis is very slick with his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I honestly do think that uh, if Eddie Alvarez can't stand up with him, he, and he goes in for a takedown, he's going to get finished with the submission. He, I think he underestimates Anthony Pettis' uh, ground game, along with a lot of people in the lightweight division. So I see Pettis finishing it, guaranteed. Absolutely. So we got to talk about you, man. So your last fight, obviously you went three rounds. It was kickboxing. You know, it was a 30-27. I personally scored it 30-26 because, you know, you TKO'd him in the second round. That's a 10-8 to me since the ref was nice enough. And I don't even want to call him nice enough because in a way... He was kind of mean to let the kid continue because what we were talking about earlier on the show is that your brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25. So if I was in that kid's corner, I would have just I would just would have said, "Hey, live to fight another day." But hey, that's not that's not on you, Jamar. You just did what you were supposed to do. You went out there and you beat the kid up. But now I've heard ramblings that you might even be fighting in MMA in your very next fight. So tell us right here, right now, in half the battle, what's the scoop? Uh, it was supposed to happen against a, a kid named Mario Umana. Unfortunately, the Georgia Athletic Commission wouldn't approve it, so 
I'm trying to get him for a tie fight, and then maybe when we're 18, when we're both 18, we can get our first fight as an MMA fight, you know? They wouldn't approve it because they saw your last fight and they thought he might get seriously hurt? <laughs> nah, they, they didn't approve it because we're too young, unfortunately. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, man. And it's funny because, you know, when I heard that you had your last fight, I was like, wait, I thought you had to be 18 to fight. But it's an interesting little, I don't, I don't want to call it a loophole, but it's an interesting little thing they had going on where they counted it as an exhibition match, which I was stoked for because, you know, you've wanted to fight for a very long time. And obviously with the Georgia rules, you can't do it under amateur. So they found a way to let you fight and you went out there and you showcased your skills. Yes. Uh, thank you to uh, Dave Oblas, the owner of NFC. Definitely the best uh, organization owner in the Southeast, hands down. Uh, without him, I wouldn't have gotten a fight guaranteed. No other promotion owner would do that for me. So thank you to him and also Dave Vidke for getting the fight for me. So, Oh, yeah, those are two of the best Davids I know in ATL. <laughs> Obviously, David Oblast, he's the man running the show. And Dave Vidke, one of my favorite fighters and a good friend of mine. So, yeah, definitely a shout-out to those guys. So I got to know, man, what's next? For Jamar Whitehead? Uh, I really, really, I don't know why, but I really want to fight this kid Mario Umana. I don't care if it's a tie fight, a boxing match, a jiu-jitsu match, MMA. I just want to fight him. So uh, I'm hoping February we can get a tie fight if he's down for it. You know, I'm always down to fight. So whenever, whenever he's ready, I'm ready. So <laughs> now let, let me say this I know you said you'd fight him in any way now I sincerely hope it's not a jiu-jitsu match because as we all know you can't punch someone in the face in a jiu-jitsu match and it sounds to me like uh, you got something for this kid you want to give us a little scoop um I just remember putting up a post on uh, the NFC page saying that I would like another fight and uh, a buddy of mine now uh, he fought on the same card I fought. Unfortunately, he didn't get the W, but he still performed amazing. But uh, he tagged his, his teammate in Mario Umana in the post. So ever since then, I've been interested in the fight. It doesn't seem to me like he wants it, unfortunately, but it's the name of the game, I guess. So That is the name of the game, and I mean, you're going to find guys that don't want to fight you, but the important thing is to stay humble because when you get to the UFC, it's a murderer's row. Whether it's the number one guy in the world or the 50th guy in the world, every single one is a trained killer. That's why you got to stay humble, stay on your diet, and keep training hard, right, Jamar? Yes, sir. Uh, I think all that's very important. Just uh, having the right mindset is, uh, is the biggest key factor, in my opinion. So. Yeah, definitely. Having the right mindset is half the battle and we are on half the battle right here right now so jamar i want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me on half the battle just go ahead plug anything you want to plug thank anyone you want to thank the floor is yours my friend uh all right shout out to uh knuckle up fitness and buckhead uh i couldn't have done any of it without any of you guys so uh shout out to my father also for taking me to practice and home every day making sure i get there when i need to i really appreciate that um, shout out to my, my wrestling team down in uh, Florida too they've helped me out with my aggressiveness and stuff like that so I couldn't have done it I have a lot of people in my corner to thank of course my brothers uh, my mother, my sister all big inspirations for me to keep going so can't do it without any of them like I said so just thank you to everybody in my life so
Absolutely. And let the fans know where they can find you on social media, Jamar. All right, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, it's ASVP, two underscores, and then F-U-E-G-O, Fuego. And then on Facebook, you can look me up, my name, Jamar, J-A-H-M-A-R, Whitehead, exactly how it sounds on Facebook. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. I'm a nice guy, so. <laughs> and real quick, Jamar, I got to know, you know, obviously I know Fuego means fire, but how'd you get the ASVP in there? Uh, honestly, the nickname's from like uh, seventh grade, so I honestly don't even remember. It just stuck with me, though, since seventh grade. Well, there you go. No, no <laughs> explanation needed. Jamar, thank you so much for joining me on Half the Battle, man. I can't wait to see how your career unfolds. I can't wait to get back in the gym and get my ass kicked a little bit by you and the boys. And, you know, thanks thanks again very much. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon, bud. All right? All right. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. There you have it. That was 16-year-old phenom Jamar Whitehead. You can follow him on Twitter at ASVP double underscore Fuego. And, man, this kid is uh, dynamic. He's special. And I can't wait to see what happens as he gets older. Now, for all the fans tuning in for the very first time to Half the Battle, thank you very much. You can check Half the Battle out on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Give me a five-star review. And I'm also on YouTube and SoundCloud. So go check out Half the Battle. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Best Fight Picks. And until next time, enjoy the fights.